Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and I'm proud to be here today with Sarah Whitmire. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Glad w- to be here. WFIU and WTIU. Today our topic is uh, teen suicide, which is the number two killer of young people in America. We have a show that's packed with interesting guests and uh, topics that we can we can talk about today. Uh, one of our guests is joining us by phone, um, David Lee Miller, whose film My Suicide will be showing for the first time on October 15th here in Bloomington through the Writer Film Series. I believe there are four dates for the the film altogether. Um, we have two other panelists in the studio, Eric Love of IU's Diversity Program, who works uh, with suicide prevention and is very uh, aware of, of these issues. And also Kim Harvey is here with us. She's with the Angels and Doves Program. She's from Greensburg. Angels and Doves is in, from based in Indianapolis. All right. Uh, got off to that bad start. But, <laughs> but we're going to talk about Greensburg a little bit here today. That's for sure. Uh, we may be joined later um, in the program. We're hoping for a call from Ed Schwartzman. He uh, is a Bloomington person who owns uh, Buffalo. He's one of the local restaurants. His son committed suicide. His son committed suicide three years ago. And he's been instrumental in bringing David Lee Miller and, and the film My Suicide to Bloomington. You can join us on the program by phoning 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. So welcome, everybody, to the program. And I'm going to start with David, um, who's not in the studio with us. But uh, could you talk uh, – just give us sort of a, a preview of your film. What I know that it's won many international awards and it's getting a lot of, of critical acclaim. And you're going to be bringing it to Bloomington, I believe, for its first sort of theatrical release, correct? Um, yeah. Uh, it's really the first time that the movie's going to be shown theatrically, uh, kind of a sneak theatrical. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so uh, tell us about it. It's, uh, it's getting good reviews, and it has, you know, there's, there's certainly some message to it. Um, yeah, the movie uh, grew out of an organization uh, that uh, I co-founded with my son when he was very young called Regenerate. Um, and you can actually find that at Regenerate.org. And Regenerate was founded to um, empower youth to create media for their peers on important teen issues. And um, the top three killers of kids are car crashes, suicide, and violence. Uh, and what we learned as we pursued fighting these issues uh, is that they um, are intri- intricately connected. Uh, and Basically, this is the first feature film that's come out of the organization. And uh, Teen Suicide is kind of the MacGuffin. Hitchcock talks about a MacGuffin of movies. And it's really about teen suicide and about the teen condition today. Mm -hmm. So what makes this film so different from other films we might have seen on this topic? Um, Well, um, first of all, it's a feature film that really came out of the minds and hearts of young people. I worked with very young artists to create the film. Um, so I think you'll find that in this unique time to be a young person, that it, it, it you know, we've been told, I hope it's true, uh, that it really has an authentic youth voice. The editors of the film were 20 years old when they started cutting the movie. Um, it's a quite complex movie. I mean, it's, in its heart, it's ultimately you know, a film, a feature film. It's not necessarily a suicide prevention tool, um, we've been invited many times around the world to play uh, the film in suicide prevention forums, but it's really about sparking conversation and controversy and really communication. Uh, it has a message of, uh, uh, you know, that's a journey from narcissism to connection and, you know, about giving in life, but uh, in its heart, it's ultimately a film and uh, meant to spark communication between young people, families, their friends. Yeah, well, Sarah, it did spark a little uh, a little controversy here at the station. You want to explain that? Well, we uh, we had an email that uh, came in from a therapist uh, in town 
that uh, was sent to, to Dan, our producer, and, and Sarah and I both got copies. And basically, uh, the person was a little concerned, uh, David, that the, that the film might actually cause more harm than good, that it could push some people to think uh, there is kind of a hopelessness after they see the film, and it actually might um, precipitate some suicide. Can you? I know you said you've been corresponding with this person, too. I have been corresponding with her. Um, and, you know, we would, you know, share any kind of concern like that. Uh, we have, you know, literally hundreds of testimonies from young people and families who have seen the film um, that it has inspired them. And, and, and uh, most people consider that the film is filled with hope. Uh, but we certainly share that concern. Uh, suicide is a very controversial subject. Uh, it's taboo in our society. Uh, there is a large portion of, su- of this, you know, well, it's not even a large portion, it's really a minority at this point, but of the suicide prevention community uh, that believe, they even call it the S word, that we shouldn't talk about suicide, that if we even talk about it at all, it will promote more suicide. Um, we developed the film with mental health professionals, although we don't consider it some kind of authorized tool. I mean, it really should be, uh, you know, viewed, it, it sparks conversation. But we, in, uh, we, were, we really come from the camp of Dr. Edwin Schneidman, who is the father of suicidology. And we believe that uh, you should shatter the silence around suicide and shatter the taboo, and that conversation and communication and connection will lead to healing. But I am not a mental health professional. I'm a filmmaker who happens to be involved in a, a, a group called Regenerate that works you know, for teen suicide prevention. And I would, you know, leave it to the professionals to answer, answer those questions. But I do, I have witnessed that communication leads to healing. In terms of it being a taboo topic, I think that's interesting because as a member of the media, we always sort of avoid the topic of suicide. And it's something we really don't talk about. So now we've been talking about it because there have been a number of these. But Eric, you might know the answer to this. How often is this happening? And it's just not in the news. We're not reporting it. Well, it's happening more and more frequently, and um, and not just um, cases in, in high school with bullies, but there's been several college cases, um, oftentimes associated with um, gay and lesbian affiliation. Uh, students who are gay or lesbian are being picked on even in college, and that leads them to suicide, and there's been national cases right now. But um, I, I would have to agree with David that I think um, discussing the issues are, are more likely to... Um, prevent suicide, I think, than cause suicide. The students who are thinking about it already, they're just, um, that's part of the isolation is they have no one to talk to about it. And studies show that, you know, the majority of students consider suicide at one time or another, and then no one talks to them about it. So sometimes thoughts manifest themselves in actions. But if people are talking about it and talking about the consequences, and one of the things I've learned um, recently uh, I had a, a friend who committed suicide about a month and a half ago. Um, people say that when you when they commit suicide, they want the pain to stop, um, but the pain doesn't end. It just transfers to the people that you love. And I've recently found out that it not only transfers, but it um, expands exponentially and in, increases. And so the pain never goes away. Um, and so I'd rather my friend be alive and we can work on issues together than him not being here and then we're all in pain over it. So I, I agree. I saw the film and um, I can see it can be controversial, but I don't think it glamorized suicide at all. Um, but it definitely sparked conversation. And we talked for over a half hour afterwards. I, I had invited students to the film. Ed Schwartzman organized the film and uh, the film viewing here. And so I, I think it's much better to talk about it than to not talk about it. We're going we're gonna to call Ed right after our break and uh, get him on the air with us because he is willing and eager to talk. So what was your well, – give, give us a takeaway from the film. Um, it was a, a message of hope for me. Um, I, I guess I don't want to give too much away, but there was a line in there, and I, I won't be able to, to um, say it verbatim, but um, instead of – if you're unhappy with your life – do something to help somebody else. Instead of taking your life, then use your life to um, to be of service to other people, and in that you will find joy again. And um, so David might be able to, to correct the quote, but that's essentially the the message that I took out. Um, 
And I think it also depicted a realistic view that uh, of um, experiences a lot of our teens are going through. And um, so, again, um, I don't think it glamorized suicide, but it certainly um, brings up a lot of different issues, family issues, um, issues in school that our young people are going through. And uh, it's much um, better, I think, it's much worthwhile to talk about it than not to. Mm-hmm. And, Kim, you've been uh, nodding as Eric has been speaking, so you must agree with a lot of what he said. Well, I do. I agree with some of those things. You have to talk about it, and especially in my area where I'm looking at um, children that are any place from 8 years old up to 18, when you're looking at children that are 8, 9, 10, and 11 years old, this is a whole different scope of a topic. You know, um, these children, they're not fully developed mentally or emotionally, and they really don't know what to do. So we have to teach them to talk to other people about it because that really will um, probably save their life and prevent them from going on and doing this. They feel very hopeless. They feel very alone. They're very afraid. They're tormented, and they're very hurt inside. And again, like I said, when you're 8, 9, and 10 years old, you're not even emotionally mature yet. We are not... um, put here to deal with rejection. As human beings, rejection is an odd emotion to us. So when you're at that age, you don't know what to do with rejection. And if they can't go to their parents or a friend or a teacher or a principal who's willing to listen to them and identify that they've got the problem, then we're looking at something very tragic. Mm-hmm. We hope that people will call in and talk to our three guests today. We have uh, David Lee Miller on the phone with us. He's the uh, His film is My Suicide, and it will be showing here in Bloomington starting uh, October 15th. Um, We have Eric Love in the studio. He's with IU's Diversity Program, and he works uh, with suicide prevention. And Kim Harvey of the Angels and Doves Program from Indianapolis is also here with us. Uh, If you want to join us, 855-0811-1877-285-9348. And our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. I'm wondering, with all this in the news now with suicides, we're hearing about so many different cases of it. Is bullying actually worse and suicide as as a result of that actually worse? Are we just hearing about it more? Any ideas? I believe that it's worse. I know some people, you know, that are naysayers say that it's not worse or it's just the same. I disagree. I think it is definitely worse. And I think that we're seeing that children are mean on a different level. It's um, hard to describe just how mean they are. And in the research that I've done and the stories that I'm seeing and all of the parents that are calling me from all over the United States and Canada, their stories are proving to me that children are mean on a whole different level right now. Yeah. And I, I would have to agree with Kim. Um, I, I, I think that it's growing, too. I think something else, because it's a taboo subject, I think that suicide and suicide attempts are grossly underreported. Um, and the statistics are, very, are quite close between car crashes and suicide uh, in terms of how many young people we're losing. Uh, so suicide could well be the number one killer of our young people, but it statistically simply isn't reported yet. Also, a third of teen car crashes are single vehicle and single driver events. And there are cases uh, documented where the young people have written suicide notes before they've taken the family car and crashed it. Um, so how many of those car crashes are actually um, teen suicides? And a lot of the suicides in the media in the last month have been related to gay and lesbian issues or sexual orientation issues. And um, for teen suicides, I believe upwards of 40 percent of teen suicides are um, committed because of sexual orientation issues. So if we are looking at 8 to 10 percent of the population being gay, but they're making 40 percent of the suicides, then that's a disproportionate number. And we're losing a lot of gay and lesbian teens. Mm -hmm. Additionally... Some children are being called names like gay or other names, and they don't even know what it means. So that's, that's 
just as sad, in my opinion, that they're being called these names that they don't know yet and they don't understand, and it's hurting them, and they're crying, and they're hiding, and uh, again, they just don't know where to go or what to do. Yeah, I think that's a very um, interesting topic, because the other thing that statistics are showing is that suicide is skewing younger. We have 10 to 14-year-olds killing themselves now, and this has never happened before in our society. And um, I think it has a lot to do with this overconnected, disconnected situation our young people find themselves in. Um, Nine-year-olds are seeing hardcore porn on the Internet. What does that tell them about love and sexuality and where they fit in in life? They have such incredible access to information, Mm -hmm. yet without the proper communication, they don't know what to do with this information. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm an old guy. When I was a kid, the only thing I was better at than my parents was playing. You know, now you've got a generation that's better at key information and business and technology skills than their... I would argue that that's the first time in civilization we've had that, for, where children are better than their parents at all of these key skills. Yet, they need to play, and they need the family love, and they need connection and communication. And instead, they often get the opposite. Instead of respect, which they so... so so much deserve they're like oh you have it so easy because you have computers and video games and the internet well i would argue that that's just not true that that's easier this is one of my key points when i speak to people you are absolutely correct when children leave their homes in the morning how many of those children are actually leaving with support and warmth and love and security it's not a lot and if they are not feeling that warm and fuzzy at home, and then they go to school and they don't feel it either, it is a total disconnect. It's just not normal. Okay, we have Ed on the line now. Ed, Ed's been uh, being patient. He joined us uh, before the break, so Ed Schwartzman is here. Ed, thanks for joining us. Hey, good, good morning. Thank you so much for having me on, and, and what a very uh, relevant and important topic. Thank you. Right. So you have been instrumental in... Uh, in bringing this film to Bloomington. Do you want to tell us your story? Well, uh, three years ago, it's actually going to be three years ago this October 15th, which uh, is not uh, coincidentally the day that we're debuting the film, uh, which uh, just gives me something to do on October 15th, besides just feel absolutely terrible. Um, uh, My son, my 19-year-old son, Benjamin, uh, hung himself in our basement. We lived up in Lake County, Indiana. And um, since then, I've just been looking for some way to help others, and I'm just a, uh, I'm not a medical expert, I'm just a, a guy who's just trying to find his way through life and struggling like everybody else, and I've been involved in different groups and really wondered, you know, what, what, what the point of a lot of it is, and then through Facebook, which has just been a lifesaver for me, somebody in Germany who had seen the film at, at the Berlin Film Festival somehow knew that I might like it, and I mean, it's just a miracle. David talked about the technological age we live in. Uh, through this incredible technology, a stranger in Berlin recommended that I might like this movie. And I wound up doing some research on it. And uh, I then um, got a hold of David and Eric Adams, the producer, uh, via Facebook and uh, email. And one thing led to another. They told me they wanted to uh, debut it in a, uh, an American city. And here it comes. Mm-hmm. So what, what did the film say to you? I mean, can you give us a, a, a well, few takeaway of some sort? Two major points that, that I'd like to make that I think are very relevant, and of course it is brown, groundbreaking, and of course it, it you know, I, I don't even think it's controversial, it's just controversial because the subject is taboo, but there's nothing in the film that is anything except real life, which is, you know, reality. Um, one, uh, my 18-year-old daughter, actually she's 19 now, my, my uh, daughter's a sophomore here at IU, and statistically she's at great risk because she is a sibling of what they call a successful suicide. And my daughter has seen the film, and she absolutely endorses it and thinks it can help. And for me, if my daughter, who is the target market, thinks that the movie is worthwhile, I don't you know, need to know any more than that. Um, but having seen the movie three times, and every time I see it, I get more out of it. And there's so many incredible talking points where you could just dissect one scene for an entire you know, lecture in front of college and high school kids. Um, uh, but having seen the three, movie three times... My son, Ben, and I, we love movies, and uh, uh, the statement I've been making since I've seen it is, I cannot tell you that my son, I know this is a movie my son and I would have seen, 
And I know this is a movie we would have talked about, and I believe in my heart, had this movie been out three-plus years ago, there's a very, very good chance my son would still be alive. I believe that in my heart. I'll never know. And I believe there's other kids out there who are struggling, just like my son, Ben. And uh, I believe that it it can save lives. Of course, we cannot promote it that way, but it starts the conversation, and that's the key. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this, starting the conversation, but I don't know if it's it's something you've learned. Maybe you can talk about, Ed, but... What's sort of the takeaway here? What can parents be talking to their children about? Well, I, I, I don't want to give too much away in the movie, but like I said, there are so many scenes and phrases and key conversations and pivoting points um, that I don't... Bravo to, to David and to the filmmakers and everybody else who put this together because there's not one scene in there where you can't look at it and go, well, this doesn't make sense. This, wouldn't, this is not real world. Um, and so uh, the takeaways to me, you know, I keep going back to my own life with my son, and we used to uh, incorporate, much like the lead character in the movie, we would uh, use a lot of phrases from movies that we had seen to become part of our own lives, whether they were comedies or, or dramas. And to me, the takeaways are some of these incredible conversations and pivoting points in the movie, which are very real to all the problems that teens have today. And it's not just teens, by the way, it's adults as well. Um, so... Uh, the takeaways to me are those those talking points, and I don't want to give too much away because I really am hoping everyone who hears our voices attends this, this opening and to have David Lee Miller there uh, the first weekend is just going to be. I, I promise you, when the lights come up after the movie's over, uh, the audience is going to want to sit and talk. It's going to be a very very powerful evening. I, I cannot wait for this Friday night. Ed, we've talked uh, already about um, how suicide is a taboo subject that people don't usually like to talk about it yet you you know since your son died you've chosen to to talk about what happened and to talk about um you know the impact on you and and to just make this kind of an an issue um you know why why do you think that a lot of other people take a different approach and just don't want to talk about it well i can't speak for others and i I don't know the answer everyone i mean i'm still grieving i grieve every day and I'm, it's a whole process I'm going through, but I'll, I'll share with you a comment that uh, Lisa Britton, who is um, also, I call it a member of my stupid club, and I'd love to disband my stupid club, and that is a parent who lost a, a child by suicide. Uh, she lives up in Indianapolis. She was at the pre-screening with uh, Eric Love as well. And she came up to me afterwards, and this will answer your question, I think. Mm-hmm. She came down the stairs, and she hugged me, and she was crying, and she said, Ed, 30 years ago, we used to whisper the words breast cancer. And at first I was like, huh? And John Vickers, who's the new director of uh, theater, uh, the new IU Cinema here in town, um, he, was, he had a, a giant smile on his face. And he says, that's it. And that's the point. Is if, if, you know, we don't whisper the, name, the word breast cancer anymore. And guess what? Breast cancer is not nearly the killer it once was. And if we stop whispering suicide, or, or like I think David said, the S word, um, it, it just changes the whole way we look at it. And it changes the conversation. And um, I, I think it's just a perspective. And, and my perspective was I didn't want to go through life denying that my son lived and died. I didn't want to I, – I, I'm not going to hang my head in shame. I love my son. I'm proud of who he was. I'm proud of, of, of the things he accomplished in, in, in his life. And I wouldn't tr- trade him for any other son in the world. But this is how he died, and I have to deal with it. I, I have no choice but to deal with it. We're going to have to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, Ed, if you want to stay on the line with us, that would be great. We have Dee, who's been waiting, too, so we'll get, we'll get to her right after the break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, The Ether Game, Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, wfiu.org. 
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. Uh, we're talking about uh, suicide today, teen suicide, and we have uh, three guests, actually four guests with us now. David Lee Miller has joined us by phone. His film, My Suicide, will be uh, showing in Bloomington October 15th and 16th, and I believe the 22nd and 23rd. Um, we have Eric Love of IU's Diversity Program, and he works with teen, with uh, suicide prevention. Kim Harvey of the Angels and Doves Program in Indianapolis. And also on the phone now, we have Ed Schwartzman, who, uh, whose son committed suicide uh, three years ago. If you want to join us on the program, please phone us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You can uh, contact us there. You can chat about the program. Um, you can do a lot of things if you go to that website. So uh, we are going to try to get Dee on the phone because Dee's been patient. Dee? Yes. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Can you uh, – yeah, you want to talk about a suicide prevention walk? Yes. I just wanted everyone to know that – I mean, Bloomington in general has just wrapped its arms around this entire movement of suicide prevention, and the support we're getting for the walk this year is doubled of last year, and last year was the first one, and it's called the Out of the Darkness Walk, and it is going to be this Sunday, and the opening ceremony, excuse me, will begin at 10 a.m. The registration is between 9 and 10 a.m. The... um, Opening ceremony will begin at the IU football stadium north entrance, and people can access it. Well, pe- local people, you know, just know, but um, off the bypass gate ten. So it's ten, ten, ten at ten gate ten, <laughs> and <laughs> no one can forget that. No perfect tents have lined up. The um, oh, Craig Brenner and Kaya will be providing music for the opening ceremony and midnight run for the closing ceremony at noon. The walk will go, there's a shorter walk, which will be about three miles from the stadium down uh, through the Arboretum and Showalter Fountain. We are going to have chalk drawing where people can leave a message in chalk in, on the sidewalk in front of the art museum. We're all artists of our lives. And then there'll be then the shorter walk people. They will just loop the um, the fountain and come back. The longer walk will will take them to uh, Jordan to Third to Indiana and then back to the football stadium. But I just um, it's free to um, to walk and register. You would go to um, outofthedarkness.org and select the Bloomington Walk, and then you would just need to check in. Um, upon arrival, but I just really, really encourage, we have a lot of um, college support and even high school teams are going to be walking this year. There have been several local deaths and people are just um, wanting to do something to show their their love and appreciation of a life that they no longer have, you know, an opportunity to help or interact with as well as, you know, to really get out there and make a statement to destigmatize. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for the call, Dee, and we'll, uh, sure. we'll let you go. Thanks. Okay. So if you want to call us, uh, if you have a, a comment or a question, 855-0811-1877-285-9348, and our website is wfiu.org slash noonedition. This is something I've heard a lot about, but I would like to get your take on it. Just the impact of social media on suicide, this idea that you can't get away from it. I know when I was in school, yeah, bullying was rough, but I went home at the end of the day. You know, but now with Facebook and Twitter, are you seeing it is an increase? It seems like previously you could reinvent yourself. When you move, you, you could become someone else if you want to, and sure. no one has to know that you were the geek in junior high or whatever the situation may be. Um, you can't escape it now. If as soon as something's put on the web, it, we don't know how far-reaching it is. It can potentially, potentially international, and um, so you know, with the the case at Rutgers, you know, something very personal was aired on the internet. Who knows how many people saw it? But it was devastating enough for someone to take their life over it. And and so cyberbullying has been a, a major issue, and it's. Um, I think it's more serious and critical for younger people as well because uh, they, it's something they can't control, 
And um, as we were saying earlier, st- young, young students can be very cruel to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the case of uh, Tyler Clementi, I think, Correct. that you're referring to has been uh, quite in the news. And I know, Kim, you, your organization put up a billboard in Greensburg because of the, the case three weeks ago of Billy Lucas. Could you talk about that a little bit? What happened there? Well, I made a commitment when we put together our mission statement this year. I made a vow that if another life was taken or there was a hospitalization, no matter where in the country it happened, that I would put up a billboard so that people would have to recognize that we can't allow this to happen. And disturbingly, it happened right in our own backyard in our own state. So, yes, I did put up the billboard, and I received a lot of a lot of news coverage and even ended up on the national news and received a phone call from Ellen DeGeneres. So I feel that I did the right thing because we have to stop this. And if the schools are not going to stop it, then I guess it takes the rest of the community to stop it. And what happened in in the case of Billy Lucas? Um, He was just being harassed. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize, but bullying typically lasts for six months or longer. Can you imagine, as an adult, going to your job or going to any place and being constantly harassed, ridiculed, embarrassed, tormented? I don't think a lot of adults put their place in the place of the child to recognize what they're going through every day. So just reverse it and think about if you were the one being ridiculed and embarrassed and picked on 24-7 for six whole months, what would you do? Mm -hmm. We can't blame the children. They have no place to go to unless the adults are actually listening to them. You mentioned the idea of schools and them not taking responsibility, but I'm, I'm also wondering about parents. And does law enforcement play a role in this at all? You know, I'm, I'm not sure what role law enforcement can play other than, you know, kind of enforcing the law or, or maybe doing some educational outreach to the schools. But I think the problem is serious enough that it, it takes multifaceted approaches to solve it. So we need schools working with parents, working with student leaders, working with law enforcement, working with local agencies, um, addressing all of these issues. I, I think in our country in general, we need to bring back some level of civility. We treat each other terribly. We can't have a debate on a political issue without demonizing the other side. Um, And so I think all of these issues exacerbate teen suicide and um, just hatred towards each other. We need, you know, we need some humanity um, in in our interaction with each other. If, you know, if you're a different political ideology than me, you're a different political ideology. It doesn't mean you're evil, right? Um, If you're a different sexual orientation than me, Good luck for you, and I'm who I am, and you can't change that, and I support you in what you do. But, you know, we can't live and let live. We have to demonize the other side or terrorize um, people who are different than us. And it seems in this day and age that this should be just, uh, and you know, out, out um, I guess outlived or it should be gone by now, but it's not. It's stronger than ever. And um, so I think it takes this multifaceted approach. Teachers, schools, and school administrators, student leaders, parents, the community, we have to set a, a tone for civility with each other and acceptance. You don't have to agree with everything, but you have to accept people. Um, I, I'll give you an example. Here at, at Indiana University, I, I promote diversity education. I'm trying to um, create a campus climate that's conducive for academic success for all students. Um, so if a gay student is being harassed, you don't have to accept a gay lifestyle, but while you're at IU, you will respect every other student, um, you know, as a as a human. So um, we're not trying to change people and how they think or what they believe, but we need to change behavior. You're going to treat each other with respect while you're here. That's a part of uh, of IU's mission. I love that. That is so great. <laughs> oh, you know, here's you. an idea. Let's just all love one another. How about that? Wouldn't that just be easy and the right thing to do? It would be. Ed, do you, Ed are you still on the line? Yes, yes, yes. Do you agree with this multifaceted approach that, that that's sort of what's, what it's going to take? Well, I don't know. You guys are much more qualified than I am. And obviously, you know, it, it, it boils down, you know, at the local level, um, you know, with my son, my son was extremely loved, and um, it, it didn't matter. So I, 
I, I don't, of course, nobody would disagree with all, all the concepts that, that you, you folks just shared. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, sometimes we, we cannot save them all, and my God, I wish we could. Um, but, um, uh, of course, you know, we, we, we need to attack it from every angle. And I think the nice thing is that we, we don't need to feel helpless anymore. And, you know, maybe just the fact that we're talking about it, that it's on the radio, that, that there's going to be a walk this Sunday. And, by the way, the woman who called in, Dee Burt, is a saint of saints. And I'm sorry I didn't get to say that before she came on the air, but uh, everyone should support that walk because Dee Burt is just an amazing woman. And she put that walk together all by herself. And last year was the first year. It was just incredible. And you would think who's going to show up and, and what, what's the response going to be. It's overwhelming. It is just an overwhelming event. So, uh, you know, I, I think that... These things are all healthy and all, all need to be done. I, I want to say one of the things I, I, I may or may not be on the air anymore. Um, I need to thank the Ryder Film Series because you talk about not being afraid to talk about it. Uh, Peter Lapolito, who runs the, the, the Ryder Film Series, had the uh, moxie or, or the good sense to allow us to air this film because, it, you know, that in itself, without his cooperation, none of this happens. So I, I need to acknowledge the Ryder Film Series for. for for being a key player in, the, in, in this uh, process. Ed, before we, we let you go, I, and I want to ask Dave a similar question, but you know, we've talked, we're talking a lot about teen suicide, and I guess I'd like to know what was the reaction of, of Benjamin's friends? You know, when, when, you, you, know, when, when you had this uh, horrible experience three years ago, you know, what kinds of insights did you get maybe from his friends afterward? Well, there's so many stories I could relate, but just a couple of anecdotes. Um, one, about a week and a half after uh, my son took his life, I was sitting uh, in my house with about 10 of his friends. And, of course, we were all just numb, and we were just trying to put one foot in front of the other. And uh, we said, you know, did, did anybody really see this coming? And, and my son did talk about suicide, but he didn't talk about it with his friends. Uh, we knew he was suicidal. Uh, he was getting help. He had a psychiatrist. He had a counselor. Um, but all the king's horses and all the king's men. But um, one of the kids made a comment, which I thought was so telling. He said, you know, hell, we knew he was on antidepressants. And he looked around the room. He said, crap, all the rest of us are on it also. Hmm. And so, um, yeah, so they all knew he was struggling, but they also felt that they were struggling too because that's kind of, you know, the life they lead. Um, so the reaction was numb um, for, for well over a year. I mean, the whole, his whole community base, um, well, the outpouring they gave me, I mean, they, they, they sustained me uh, for well over a year until I got back on my feet. Uh, and obviously, it, 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 it scars you for life. I mean, they're, they're impacted every day. But one other thing that I will share, uh, every day I used to go on his Facebook site, and they created a memorial site to him, and they were posting some of the most beautiful things, and I used to get great comfort. And then a funny thing happened during my grieving process where I used to go to the site and nobody would post anything, and initially I was thinking, oh, that's so sad. But then I thought, you know what? That's good. Mm-hmm. I don't want these kids to spend the rest of their lives, you know, grieving for my son. They need and must go on with their lives. And I know my son would want that also. And so, you know, now there's probably any new posts on my son's website, and that's okay. That mm-hmm. is okay. All right. Well, we, we appreciate it. You can hang on the line as long as you want. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm going ch- to check out because okay. I actually have a six-month-old baby upstairs. We, I got remarried. I have a daughter upstairs who's crying for her bottle. <laughs> All right. So please, everybody, come out and support the movie on Friday night. All right, Thanks, Ed. Ed. Thanks a lot. Ed Schwartzman right, thank you. has been with us today. Oh. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I did want to add, add something. We, we talked about some um, teen suicides and some of the issues in, in the schools with younger people, but I'd like to tell adults um, depression is is a, definitely a big issue that can lead to suicide, and there's um, a lot of symptoms that um, really go unnoticed. But um, change of appetite, um, can't sleep, um, or change in you either sleep all the time or you can't sleep at all, um, no energy, just little things like that. And you might think, you know, I, I'm just not feeling well. I just don't, um, you know, feel motivated to do anything. I'll probably snap out of it. That could be early stage of depression that could exacerbate and lead, you know, lead itself to something more serious. And so even if you're um, experiencing some of these little symptoms, you might want to go and, and see a counselor. Um, other things, just isolation, no one to talk to, um, feeling alone, feeling unloved. And when you isolate yourself, then you can't get that positive reinforcement from people who may be reaching out to you anyway. And um, so – that's why it is important to continue to talk about about these issues on all levels. At our news meeting this week, we were talking about that and, and how people, what sort of signs to look for if someone is suicidal. 
And someone in the newsroom brought up this idea that they're going through all the things you just talked about, but then right before they commit suicide, you can see this difference. Like it's almost a sense of peace comes over them, and they're really happy with the world because they have a plan. Um, I'm wondering wondering if that's true, and if so, at that point – is it too late? I mean, they've already they've already got it set in, in their mind, maybe. I think the only time it's too late is once they've committed suicide. But up until that point, there's there's always something that can be done. Um, it, it's hard to say. Um, you know, with, with Ed's case, they did everything they could do, and, um, you know, it, they couldn't prevent it. Uh, with my friend um, Brandon Scott, who just committed suicide about a, a month and a half ago, um, nobody really saw it coming. Um, we know that he had moved to a new city. He graduated. Um, and things just weren't working out as well as as he had planned, um, and so um, several several incidents happened that just kept weighing on him, and so nobody really saw it coming. He he was talking to his mother and said that he he thought he might be experiencing some depression, and um, and other than that, nobody really saw it coming. He wasn't on meds or anything like that, um, but this was someone who was very healthy, very positive, and. Uh, on the outside, seemed very confident, and uh, so this was a surprise. So you never, you never really know, and that's. Um, I know it's kind of hard to say. Just love everybody, but we never know what people are going through, and so we've got to treat each other a little better. And you know, when you say how are you doing, we automatically have that automatic response. Oh, I'm fine. You know, if it if that fine doesn't come out the way it should, you might want to say, Are you sure? You need to talk about it. Um, since uh, since Brandon um, passed. Uh, we did a memorial here at IU for him, and um, I posted a, a video and a tribute to him on Facebook. I've been contacted by a couple of students who were um, contemplating suicide, um, and these were all black males. Um, Brandon was a black male. We had a, another black male that committed suicide in, in, um, on campus last spring, and, and that's kind of a new trend, too. And so um, you, you just never know what people are going through, and just by talking about it and being open – um, about it. It's preventing other people from, or at least giving someone an outlet to, to reach out. I, I'm not an expert on suicide, but because my friend committed suicide and because um, I did a memorial to him and I'm friends with Ed Schwartzman, and so I've kind of just been thrust in, in a position that people are talking to me about it, and so I'm able to refer people to our CAPS, Counseling and Psychological Services on campus, um, or different resources, um, including Angels and Doves. Um, definitely uh, it's you've got to keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. We have a phone call. Let's go to uh, Wayne on the phone. Wayne, hi. Um, I, I was touched when one of your uh, the participants in your panel talked about the support and warmth and love and security which children need. And could I add to the, that list personal worth, which a sense of personal worth which results from being needed, from being useful in the family. Um, if I, I can remember a time when families were strong. We didn't have any suicide problem. But children had a useful role in the family. And parents, parents gave us this support and warmth and love and security very naturally because the children, they had an important role. That they, they were useful to the family. They weren't inconvenient. They weren't just mouths to feed. And for instance, what if when parents got home from work, the children had the house cleaned, they had started the evening meal, Maybe they'd mowed the grass, and all of a sudden, instead of being just useful, useless to the family, they are very useful. In fact, they're vital. And, and so love and warmth and support and security just results. They, the children feel better about themselves, and um, there aren't any suicides. Mm-hmm. Well, Wayne, thanks a lot for your comments. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Kim, do you want to react to that? He's very right. It's so true. Again, if we can go back to the nucleus of the family and give the children a sense of worth and love and support, and when they walk out the door in the morning, they feel like they've got that support system at home, they're more likely to be gentle and kind and loving at school. Um, the bullies in school, it's, it's a proven fact that normally children who are bullies are being bullied in some manner. So, you know, they're looking for attention. They're looking for love. That's why they're aggressive. Mm-hmm. That's just sounds similar to, you know, domestic abuse. If, mm-hmm. if some, uh, you know, if somebody's been a victim, they're more likely to be 
a perpetrator. So I want to circle back to uh, to David and the uh, the film. Uh, you guys have been very good about not wanting to give anything away. I have to tell you, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a story in the paper tomorrow that's probably gonna give away more than we've given away so far. But I so I do, I do hopefully this isn't too much. But I know that the. Uh, the basis of the film is, you know, a young man who says that as his last video project, he's going to commit suicide. And it, what to me, that was a very interesting sort of construct of how to put this film together. And I wanted to ask you, David, is that the kind of thing, you know, you talked about talking to a lot of young people who had input on this film. Was that uh, something that came from them? Um. Well, it actually uh, came from my son uh-huh. uh, and me. Uh, we used to show uh, his films at film festivals, and uh, Regenerate would work uh, to make media addressing these issues, and we basically just wanted to... We thought we could reach more people in a more visceral manner by uh, making a feature film uh, about the subject, uh, and we thought that was a terrific platform to address issues that all teenagers are going through. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, uh, you know, said some, some very interesting things about uh, communication and how important that is and the fact that, you know, you've put up this Facebook and already you've had people coming out to uh, uh, tell you their feelings, which is the first step to healing. And I'm not a suicide prevention expert either, but I have found myself in this world now, uh, you know, for the last seven years. And I have learned um, and learned from Dr. Edwin Schneidman that all suicide is characterized by ambivalence, and uh, particularly in the teen uh, phenomenon, and the feeling that you're the only one with the pain that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you reach out and communicate to somebody or get them to communicate, that's when they learn that there is a choice and that they're not alone in their feelings. And it's really something we've tried to communicate in the film, that you're not the only one who feels this way. And just that knowledge can help heal. Um, we've had so many cases around the world uh, of young people. Uh, we had a boy who dug his suicide note out of his trash can after seeing the film and showed it to his father. And that was the being, and the father had no idea. And it, it, and it bonded them together so much. And then, you know, countless parents who come back and hug their kids after, the, after seeing the movie. Um, it's a difficult time to be young, and I think we're hearing that today. And we need to be so sensitive to that. It's not an easy time for these young people. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to mention also, this is not really a small movie. I mean, you have uh, on your the cast, Mariel Hemingway, uh, Nora Dunn, David Carradine. So th- this is a uh, film that has a lot of uh, weight to it. Well, thank you. And, I mean, at the end of the day, too, you know, it, it's a movie, and it's a story about people... And, and, and part of what motivated the young people who worked so tirelessly on this movie is we're just trying to make a badass film, too, that would be entertaining to see. And we think that's important, too, if, for young people to go to it. I mean, it's got Radiohead in it and all kinds of new bands. And, and I mean, it, 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 young, people who come to the movie will have a, you know, a good movie-going experience. Well, you know, this may be a little off target, but 30 years ago, it seemed like the, the suicide film was Harold Maude. Have you, you know, did you take any, uh, anything from that film? Well, absolutely. There's a few films that, that there are very few films that we reference that we were inspired by. Mm-hmm. And Harold and Maude is one of those. I mean, you know, one of the messages of the film, and I think this is really true, and, and, and there was a Princeton psychiatrist who studied what, make pe- what makes people happy in life. Not what makes people mentally ill. He spent his whole career. And, and there were three things. Stuff makes you a little bit happy. You know, it's good to have a roof over your head. The second one is doing something that you're good at, that, you know, you're passionate about. Work, do work that you're good at. But the third and most important thing that makes people happy in his research was giving, was being part of something bigger than yourself. And that, you know, this is a lot of um, what Kim was talking about, you know, the, this whole love aspect that if we can somehow engage people so that they realize that, you know, really the key to happiness is giving, uh, I think that that will help change the world and address all of these phenomena. Mm-hmm. All right, we have about, uh, we have less than three minutes to go, so I do want to give, you know, Eric and, and Kim and, and you too, David, if we, if we have time, uh, a chance for a, kind of a last comment. 
I would just quickly say that there are a couple more events um, leading up to the, the film on Friday. Next Monday is a candlelight vigil um, put on by a student organization called SAGE. That will be Monday, October 11th in Dunmetal, and that is um, a vigil for the victims of suicide that had um, the GLBT students who have committed suicide in college and, and at um, younger schools. And then Tuesday – um, COMU, the Commission on Multicultural Understanding, is sponsoring a forum to talk about these issues again, um, bullying, suicide, um, GLBT issues, um, and that will be um, in the Indiana Memorial Union in the Oak Room from 12 noon to 1.30. Mm-hmm. Kim? I would like to say to parents, teachers, principals that are listening right now, Please encourage children to talk about this. Again, you have to talk about it. They have to talk about it. And one of the main ways to curb any more children from committing suicide is to talk about it to their friends, to their teachers, to their babysitter, anybody that they want to share it with, talk about it. And, David, I want to come back to you. The film will be uh, in Bloomington Friday, October 15th and Saturday the 16th, and then again the following Friday and Saturday. What, what You'll be here for – are you going to be here for all four? No, I'll be there for the first weekend. Uh-huh. And then the, for the second weekend of screenings, Gabriel Sunday will be there, and he's a young star of the movie. We just, and he's just – absolutely an amazing talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also ended up writing the movie with us and editing the movie, which is very unusual for a, uh, a star to edit the movie. And he, it'll be a, he'll, he's a lot of fun, and he's a wonderful human being, and uh, it'll be special for him to be coming as well. And there will be a, will there be a conversation afterward? Yes. Okay. All right. We, we've run out of time now, so we really appreciate your being here with us uh, for this conversation. We also appreciate, of course, Eric Love and Kim Harvey and Ed Schwartzman for being here. I want to thank uh, uh, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah Whitmire, thank for being you. here with me today. And for producer Dan Goldblatt and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.